So, another flare-up, solar flare of outrage, resentment, and rage on Twitter. I want to keep you guys up to speed if you haven't been following the fast-paced ninja kung fu style of combat that's occurring on that venerated platform. You can follow me at Stefan Molyneux, of course. This is about the draft. And it's been quite something. Quite illuminating, to put it mildly. So, the backstory is that Trump is looking to pull some troops out of Syria. This was an initial 30-day commitment that has now been going on for years. The region uh, is uh, is still a mess, and you know, there's 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 two things that the leftists apparently seem to hate. Number one, not defending a border in Syria, and number two, defending a border in the United States. Well, that's just how they roll. So Trump wants to pull the, and of course everyone's going mental. And suddenly now, all of the leftists who were so vehemently anti-war, well, now of course they're rapidly pro-war and Trump is an isolationist and foreign interventions are fascinating and, and wonderful and moral. And they're, oh, well, you know, the Kurds are our allies. What's going to happen to our allies if we pull out of Syria? What's going to happen to our respect from our allies if we pull out of Syria? Well, what a load of garbage. What does the left think is going to happen to people's capacity to speak frankly with the President of the United States when he has to release a transcript of his conversation with the President of Ukraine in order to head off potential impeachment hysteria? You know, the coup of the sore losers and hysterics who were so close to grabbing ultimate power of America and its military and then were thwarted because warmonger Hillary Clinton did not get into power. Oh, so tragic. What's that mean? This woman saying, uh, this son saying, but mom, I don't want to go to war. And she says, don't be so selfish. Mommy wants a woman president. So Meghan McCain blathering on about the need to stay in Syria and the war efforts so valiant, so noble. This phrase, isolationist. You know, when I refrain, which I do, when I refrain from going and setting fire to my neighbor's house, I guess I could be called an isolationist too. Not going over and killing mostly brown people in the Middle East, apparently, is isolationist. Not an argument. I understand. It's not an argument. So, after seeing rabid, bloodthirsty, bloated, blonde warmonger Meghan McCain talking about the need to fight, fight, fight these endless desert wars, well, I'm a little pissed. And so I tweeted, Ladies, you can't be drafted. When war is being discussed, sit down. Now, the war discussion is regarding Syria, and clearly I'm talking about America, which is the place where young men, not young women, young men have to register for the draft. I think it's at the age of 18, they have to register for the draft. So that's the context. But of course, it's the internet, (laughs) which is apparently always allergic to context. Anyway, so the discussion 
uh, broadened, <laughs> to put it mildly, and the attacks came matrix style from all directions. And uh, I, I held my ground and stayed firm because I believe what I wrote. By the way, I'm going to go see the Joker again because people are keep telling me I'm wrong. Certainly happy to entertain that possibility. I'll find out. Anyway, so the attacks were kind of strange. So first of all, my valor was called into question. Well, where did you serve, old man? Well, I have a good tennis serve. No, I mean, so well, that has no relevance as to whether women are subject to the draft in America. No relevance at all. I'm one of these weird non-secularists. Even Congressman Ted Lieu got into the fray telling me that America's army is all volunteer and men and women serve, don't you know? I was like, well. So I wrote back and I said, you think a congressman would know the difference between volunteer and draft? You'd be wrong. And then he wrote back some bizarre missive <laughs> saying about how he had fought for my right to say these silly things, at which point I said, or replied back to Congressman Ted Lieu <laughs> and said, wait, you joined the military to protect free speech in Canada? What are you, Captain Canuck? <laughs> I don't know, people are just right. So that's irrelevant. It's irrelevant as to whether I've served. It has no bearing on the factual question of whether only men are subject to the draft. And then people said, well, Canada hasn't had a draft in decades also has no, no relevance on the question of whether women are subject to the draft. And things are just kind of nutty out here in, in internet land. People have a tough time, right? So the fact that men uh, are subject to the draft and women aren't is, 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 is a fact. And calling me a misogynist and saying that I'm a coward and saying that I'm too old to be drafted, that's interesting too. So I can't have an opinion, you see, on the draft because I, I can't state factual realities about the draft because I'm too old to be drafted. <laughs> Interestingly enough, I've never ever seen the same people who are making this argument against me, I've never once seen them make the argument that women who are beyond childbearing years can have no opinions on women's reproductive issues. Birth control, abortion, you name it, right? Or infertile women can't have any opinion on those, right? One woman was hammering at me about this and I said to her, do you ever tell your mom that she can't have an opinion on abortion because she's post-menopausal? Don't think so. So this is wild, right? And people, of course, were saying to me this sort of equivalency, right? They were saying this equivalency like, well, if women can't have an an opinion about war, and I'm not talking about leaving war, of course, I'm talking about starting wars. <laughs> you know, I'm talking about starting wars as a topic du jour, right? So people say to me, well, if women can't have any opinions about wars because they can't be drafted, then men can't have any opinion about abortions because men can't get pregnant. Well, even if we grant all of the premises in that argument, which we wouldn't rationally, but even if we do, how many times have we heard, no uterus, no opinion, can't get pregnant, can't have an opinion about abortion and women's reproductive rights? 
But you see now that the shoe, the pump, the heels are on the other foot, suddenly you see it's very different. It's a completely different situation, you see. And it's monstrous to suggest otherwise. It's a completely different situation. <laughs> In other words, 50 or 60 years of women telling men you can't have an opinion about abortion because you don't have the capacity to get pregnant. Now I say, well, women don't get drafted. Oh, no, we still get to have an opinion and an argument and blah, 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 right? So then people say, and this is a ridiculous thing, comes mostly from women, where they say, well, it's, it's men's choice. It's men who made the decision to go to war and men who make the decision to uh, only draft men. Well, that's funny. <laughs> and by funny, I mean um, absolutely horrible. So here's the reality. First of all, female rulers start wars more often than male rulers. That's just a fact. You can look it up. Female rulers start wars. So saying that, that war is some sort of male phenomenon is, uh, is false. And, and, and basically horribly slanderous to the men who are caught up in this horrible web. The second thing is, for many, many, many decades now, women have had the vote. Now, women outvote men, outlive men. And so for women to say, well, we want the vote and we, we get our way and we outvote men and we outlive men and so on. Politicians pander to our every whim. Men are largely ignored in the voting blocks. It's still all men's fault, the existing political system. All men's fault, you see. We want the vote, you see, but we don't want to actually have responsibility for the society our vote produces. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you can have the vote, of course, and, and you can have all of the extra voting that comes with higher incentives to vote because you're receiving much more government money than you're paying in taxes. You can have all of that. But then you have some responsibility, of course, for how society turns out. And unless, of course, you want privileges without responsibilities. No, can't be. Could never happen. <laughs> can't, can't possibly be the way that things could work. So that's, uh, that's just gross to say that, that war is somehow an exclusively male phenomenon and women have nothing to do with it. Because, look, the reality is chillingly simple. And once you get this reality, you can stop disliking the other sex. I mean, I, I'm serious about this. For women in particular. So why do men have 40% extra upper body strength, right? Why is it that most men pass the Army's physical requirements tests, but 84% of women fail it? Why are men taller? Why have stronger bones? Better circulation? Because that's the result of the men the women chose to have sex with and procreate with, right? In other words, masculinity, maleness, both in terms of physical attributes, uh, external body size and strength and so on, and internal attributes such as character traits and personality, masculinity is largely defined by the choices of women throughout the ages on who they had sex with. If women found men to be more attractive who were smaller and weaker then male genetics would have selected to be smaller and weaker but men were chosen who were larger and stronger which is why men ended up larger and, strong and stronger in the world 
Masculinity is a shadow cast by female reproductive choices throughout history. Now, of course, some women did not have choice in their reproductive results. Uh, raped in war or, or forced to marry and so on. Yeah, but some men were forced to marry as well. Some boys were married off for property and power and so on. So that happens both ways. But in general, evolution wins out. So women have selected the traits of masculinity. Now, you could say, of course, that men have selected the traits of femininity as well. And there's certainly some truth in that, but not as much truth. Because certainly in the West, women choose from a variety of suitors in general and settle on a particular man. And throughout history, significant proportions of men did not reproduce at all. So women have far more choice in the dating market, generally, than men do. Almost all women reproduced, but very, uh, significant proportions of the male population didn't re reproduce. So masculinity is defined by the historical procreation choices of women. And like once we understand that, and this is in terms of aggression as well. So if a woman, like there's no aspect of, of personality that is untouched by genetics. And I'm not a determinist, I'm very much into free will, but facts are facts, right? There's no aspect of personality that's not significantly affected by genetics. So if women choose to have a baby with a violent and aggressive man, then the baby is much more likely to be violent and aggressive. So toxic masculinity, if we can even use such a horrible misandric phrase, toxic masculinity is the result of the men that women have chosen throughout our evolution. But again, women want the capacity to choose from a variety of dating partners, but they don't want, apparently, much responsibility for the masculinity those choices produce. And again, I'm largely talking about the West, although there are, of course, other cultures where women have more free choice and free will when it comes to dating, but, you know, in particular in the West. Now, regarding the draft, it's an interesting question. So people said to me, well, Steph, you can't be drafted, but... And this is probably just something to do with people no longer remembering the Cold War, right? It's not like the commies and socialists in charge of the media and education are going to tell you a lot about the Cold War, obviously, right? So, for those who don't know, the Cold War was imminent world war slash nuclear destruction that hung like a shadow for decades over the West. Starting really when the Russians first exploded their bomb, hydrogen bomb, I think it was in the 50s, to some degree as the result of the treason of the Rosenbergs. But it was terrifying. It was terrifying. I mean, you, what do young people have to be frightened of? Well, mass migration if they're smart. Um, Y2K was apparently a real scary thing for younger people. And what have you got? Tiny temperature changes 100 years from now. But in my day, and I know this is like walking uphill through the snow twice to go to school, but in my day, it was really hard to be focused and positive and concentrate and will yourself to have a future when there was this clock put out by the atomic scientists, which is the risk of nuclear war. And it was always like one minute to midnight, two minutes to midnight. So you could say, well, there's no draft in a nuclear war. 
Well, ex except there is, of course, a draft in a nuclear war because not everyone gets killed and the remnants of the government are going to draft everyone. Or, because there was mutually assured destruction, there were all of these proxy wars that were fought between the West and Communist Soviet Union in, uh, well, obviously places like Korea. Uh, there was the Cuban Missile Crisis, of course, and Vietnam, and a wild, wide variety of other places where all of this, these proxy wars were occurring. Because there was mutually assured destruction, in other words, you launch your nukes, we die, therefore we launch our nukes at the same time or shortly thereafter and you die. So, yeah, it was a very real fear. It was a very real fear for uh, young people and myself, right? Canada doesn't have the draft at the moment, but so what? It's so weird. Women are completely terrified, some women, leftist women in particular, are completely terrified that if Chief Justice Ginsburg dies, another Supreme Court nominee will be conservative and Roe v. Wade, legalized abortion in America, might be threatened. So you don't say to them, well, no, no, abortion's illegal now, so you don't have to worry about it. It's going to be illegal forever, right? They're terrified of that. And working very hard to try and make sure that doesn't happen. So the fact that there's no draft in Canada now doesn't mean, and certainly when the world was on the brink of a World War III, as it was for many decades in the Cold War, it doesn't mean that the government isn't going to just wake up one day, have a massive need for soldiers, and just pass a law and draft the hell out of everyone. In 1916, there was no draft in Canada. In 1917, there was. For people, men, of course, men only, from the ages of 20 to 45. So I said I spent decades being concerned about being conscripted. Well, kind of true. Kind of true. You never know when something's going to break out when uh, it's going to happen. So, yeah, it's a real fear. It was a very real fear when I was younger. The fear diminished to some degree when I got older. But uh, it was still there. It was still there, and it was scary and, and, and powerful. Now, of course, younger people don't have any particular fear of the draft. But so what? It wasn't my experience. And who the hell are you to tell me what my experience should be, or is? So, I just wanted to sort of point this stuff out so that you could sort of understand what's going on and just how bad people's reasoning are, right? So there's uh, this idea that, that, that America is going to wade into Syria in these sort of warring factions with a population with an average IQ that's been calculated in the 80s. I go for a standard deviation below uh, white Western norms. The idea that America is just going to wade into this area and create some Jeffersonian democracy is a complete fantasy, and that's why I talk about this stuff. IQ is kindness. If you understand this, then you won't go in there with the fantasy or delusion that you're going to replicate the West as this kind of population. Nobody knows how to change IQ except you know, there's some standards of, of minimum nutrition that you need and so on, but nobody really knows how to change IQ for the better after those bare standards, which are pretty low, have been met. The world is going to fight the world. Look up the average IQ in Afghanistan. This is not an insult. It's not anything disrespectful. They're human beings and they have the right to live as they see fit, free from foreign interference. But the idea or the fantasy that they're going to become like us 
in the West. It is a fantasy, and it's incredibly cruel. And the ignoring of this basic reality, or these basic realities, is a foundational reason why these foreign wars have continually occurred. So, IQ is kindness. Once you recognize the almost certain immutability of other cultures and societies, you can stop trying to bomb them into becoming just like you.